Welcome back, literary slummers, to another episode of Hate Read. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. Every fortnight here on Hate Read, one of us challenges the other to read a book that we think they'll hate. This fortnight, I... Ch- <laughs> like, you can't even finish your so sentence stupid. without laughing. It was the that bad. Was so stupid. So... <laughs> I challenged Anna to read Rebels, colon, City of Indra, colon, The Story of Lex and Livia by... Kendall Jenner, Kylie Jenner, um, Elizabeth Kilman Roman, and Maya Sloan. A lot of authors involved. A lot in of authors. A lot of authors. Um, if you're, you're talking about the whole series, there's five authors involved because they lost Maya Sloan and pulled in another uh, Kilman, I believe. Oh, Maya, how could you do that yeah, to your career? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> um, so, okay, first things first. Did you finish the book? Somehow, yes. Yeah. I did finish this book. It was rough. It was rough. Did you finish it? Um, barely. I fell asleep <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> I wanted to. I was very sleepy today, you guys. Um, <laughs> I needed a nap. And this I book really helped nap. with that. <laughs> it really did. The thing, the thing with this book is... I don't know if I would consider it as I'm very conflicted because I don't want to simply trash this book for being written by the Jenners Um, because I, I think a lot of, well, I mean, they are garbage, but I think a lot (laughs) of the hate towards them is kind of comes from a kind of like misogynistic place where it's like, Oh, they're dumb young girls who mm-hmm. like makeup and, and hair things and their sister did a sex tape. So they must be stupid. Like, yes. Which Piggy backing off everyone else's fame. Um, and they did, they were very upfront about the fact that this was written by someone else and that they essentially what um, Maya Sloan has said since this book came out was that, you know, they came up with the story gave it to her, she wrote it, and they, like, read through it and were, gave her notes. Um, so everyone's very upfront about the fact that they didn't really write this book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But all that aside, it's still a bad book. <laughs> like, I was, I kind of wanted to say this later, but for, like, the um, surprise factor, but I'll just say it now. It takes 200 pages for this book to get to the plot. Yeah, it's real rough. It's real, real rough in terms of just... It's 345 pages in total. They really... There was a lot going on at all times, I felt like, but none of it mattered. And I feel like we Mm kind of have that complaint a lot, that it's like, there's stuff that's happening, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, like it literally will never come back mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. At, maybe it does in the sequel and i don't know but stuff that does matter does not get set up properly at no. all at the world all. is so bad it's i so... had such a murky image of this book in my mind the whole time i was reading it i, was I, like, have... I don't really know what anything looks like or no what it's supposed clue. to do i don't know like, what the setup is of this like no what is happening like the city of indra the titular city like what is it <laughs> i don't know i was thinking like biodome kind of right or... but like there's stuff floating like literally floating above it so it can't be cut off yeah 
And yeah, then, like, where does the one city point, end and the rest of Earth begin? At one point, someone says something like, oh, the city of Inger is the size of the Atlantic seaboard, which, like, yes, what, what does that mean? Like, do you mean, it, is it the shape as well? Or are we just, because that's not a city. Like, what are you? Or, yeah. Or does, is it like, yeah, because that's from Maine to Florida, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. So, like. That's just... Is this the U.S.? I don't know. They they say, like, the long ago when it was America, like, one time. So this is mm. several thousand... I did not like, catch that. I think there's there's a line that, like, the great disaster or whatever, because, of course, there was... Catastrophe, sorry. The great catastrophe yeah. happened, like, a thousand years ago. Never heard what it was, but it, it, it was a catastrophe, happen. obviously. Yeah. Of catastrophic proportions. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Capital G, capital C. Why was everything capitalized in this book? I don't know. Because no one has names either. Like, all the adults in this book. This is literally, like, you've talked about, like, adult erasure before in YA novels. (laughs) Like, this is the worst because none of the adults even have names. They're all just titles. Except for Marius. Yeah, Marius and Waslo, whatever his name is. (laughs) It's like, they're like, how could we make the name Laszlo more nerdy? Waslo! (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Let's get into it. Let's talk about let's... the actual plot. Okay. Okay. Is there? Is there a plot? <laughs> this is going to take uh, a little bit of piecing together from different parts of the book mm-hmm, because sure. there, it's obviously told in um, alternating perspectives, sometimes by chapter, sometimes by paragraph. Mm-hmm. They don't, really, they don't really seem to care. Sometimes one of them does multiple chapters in a row. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the more boring one, too. Mm. Not not the one that I liked. But which... Interesting. Which one did you find more boring? Uh, Lex, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I liked her storyline better, but mm. her as a person... I was just Garbo. Like, oh, hot. Which, interestingly, so much I wasn't going to bring this up, but there was an interview I read with Maya Sloan where she said something like, oh, and I based the personality of the two girls off of Kendall and Kylie. Oh, no. really makes me wonder which one she based Lex off of. Which one is the one with anger issues? <laughs> which one is a meanie bobini? <laughs> oh. So, this book starts off with my least favorite thing. It's an ambiguous prologue <laughs> that takes place in an indeterminate past. <laughs> it never comes back. It doesn't matter. And there's like a one sentence throwaway at the very end, and that's it. It does not matter. It really you doesn't did matter. did not need this prologue to just, like, even nope. if this prologue was to justify that sentence, you could have had that sentence and not had this prologue, and we all would have been fine. Yep. Yep. Same book. But because it's there, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> Two groups of men are fighting to be the first to break through from inside the Earth's core to the surface to repopulate Earth after the Great Catastrophe. Mm. Um, one of them betrays the other and is like, no, I will shape the world in my image. And then we never hear back about that. That's it for them. Their names are confusingly Andrew and Atros. And <laughs> it, if you put any effort into sorting out which one was which, more fool you, because their names will never be mentioned again in this book. Yeah. Well, there was a point where there was another like adult male character with an A name. And I was like, oh, was that the... And I actually went back to look. And no, it wasn't. It, it was a completely wasn't. different character. It was someone else. So, <laughs> um, then, even more annoyingly, our chapter one is the 
chapter from the perspective of Livia, who's one of the main characters, the night before her emergence ball, which is like the night or the emergence ball is this. It's like it's a, like her. It's like her de- debut, yeah. her debutante ball. Um, Except it's like singular for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a bunch of other debutantes at the same ball. And also she has to get, she's supposed to like try to find a husband out of it. She has to like get engaged that night. <laughs> no, she has to get cohabitated that night because they're not husbands and wives. They're cohabitators. Right. Right. Um, so we get a chapter from her perspective at the age of 17. Then the next chapter goes back in time again to the infancy of the other girl, Lex. And the story moves forward from there. It's a very stupid setup. We have two unnecessary chapters right at the very beginning. And it's really great because it adopts this thing with where the chapter header tells you for Livia's, like, how many, how long it is until the emergence ball. So, like, as we're bouncing mm-hmm. back and forth through time over the next 800 pages, it's like, oh, can't, <laughs> days till the emergence ball, this many, years till the emergence ball, this many. And, like, Lex doesn't have that at first, but then she does eventually because she has like a big important thing coming up too and it's like yeah why did you why did you do it this way the formatting is not great and also i want to talk about how these chapters are told from a first person perspective Mm -hmm. of a girl in her infancy Mm -hmm. she's like i have a very good memory here's what happened when i was a baby well okay (laughs) to be fair with that she does say about certain parts of it that she's watched it on the archive or something. Okay, so that makes more sense. Some of it. Some of it she's watched on the archive. She definitely still has way better memory than anyone because I think that's part of her superpower. Because, oh God. spoiler, these girls have superpowers. They have superpowers. But also they don't matter and are very unclear. <laughs> yes. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> So I think her memory thing is supposed to be a superpower, that she's got a very good... uh, That and, like, her hearing, like, that, because that's the other thing, right? Like, she can hear real good. She can hear and see in the dark. Well, she can hear all the time really good and see in the dark. (laughs) She can only hear in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You need to turn the lights out. I I can't hear what you're saying. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Let me put the blackout curtains up. (laughs) Ugh. So, um, so I guess, yes, the archives are a thing where they can, like, go back and put chips in their arms to look at their memories, the memories that they're allowed to see, because I guess the government takes away some of your memories. And, like, they can also go inside movies, basically. Um, so that comes into play a few times, and in a very stupid way when they have to remove it. Um, (laughs) so... I guess we'll talk about the girls. Livia is the girl that I liked. She is the Cosmo heiress. And that's spelled A-R. No, a- I can't spell. A- it's spelled A-I-R-E-S-S. No H, no E at the beginning. Because she lives in the air. But it means the exact same thing as heiress with an H. So, like, why did you... Why? Like, it's not like... <laughs> She's heir to a fortune, and that fortune is oxygen-based. Like, that's not the situation. (laughs) Though that would have been a cool, like, uh, what is it called? Currency? Form of currency? Oxygen? Because, you know, post-apocalyptic, kind of. Right, right. 
But she it, she lives on an island in the sky, there and is she's taking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> she's taking etiquette classes to become a proper young woman, so that eventually she can have an emergence ball where she will choose a proper young man to cohabitate with. And the way that she chooses a proper young man to cohabitate with is by doing some stupid-ass twirling and posing <laughs> on a platform for an hour at her emergence in ball a, to show herself off to all the young men. In a waist trainer, which is like, there's this whole section of this book where, uh, like, the author dunks on waist trainers. And I'm like, okay, I know we're supposed to, like, ignore the fact that this is a generous, but do you not know what your sister sells on Instagram? Like, come on, homie. <laughs> Well, you know that uh, those those shakes and pills and stuff are totally natural, hundred mm, percent. Mm, so, mm. Uh, <laughs> I'll let Jamila Jamil do all the um, <laughs> talking about that for me. But uh, anyway, we follow her around from the time she is seven years old all the way up to the day of her ball, and she doesn't feel like she fits in, and she hates being an heiress because she's so unique and special. And she has the ability to feel people's emotions. And, like, by being able to feel their emotions, she can tell how many people there are in a place. Or she can tell how close or far away they are or whether or not they're lying to her. Um, and she can also sword fight with something called a <laughs> zinger that sings. And we're given no more information other than that they only use those words to okay, describe no, what it does. Because at one point they specify that it's whistling, which is like a thing that I kind of expect swords to do. If you're like little thin sword, you like swipe it through the air and it yeah. goes, whoosh, whoosh, like, you know, <laughs> but then they specify at other times that it is like singing, like straight up, <laughs> but it's like, it does not, it's not saying words. So like you're using a different, you're not saying it's just whistling again. So again, it, it like, all I can picture is, like, her pulling out this sword and it just being, like, and... <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not anywhere near that nice. It's like the mermaids in the egg and goblet of fire. <laughs> <laughs> just got dipped underwater. <laughs> so, basically, her chapters are very boring because they just talk about how she doesn't like to do stuff. Literally, every single one of her chapters is, like... I tried to fit in real, real hard, but then I realized I could never fit in. Two years later, I tried to fit in real hard, but then I realized I could never fit in. And it's like, stop, just stop trying. Yeah, then do something else. You are like, the thing that really frustrated me about her is like, she is the most wealthy of mm, the girls. Mm. And she really has like an ability and I, I get this is a YA dystopian novel so I get why this happened the way it did but I'm like girl you had like within the confines of your community and your your civilization you had a lot of power and you were just like I don't want it right like which like you she, didn't know you were going to go on this adventure you should have taken advantage of that yeah, shit she never like tries to play the game really no which I hate it's a Gryffindor in a Slytherin's world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would <laughs> I don't even know if I'd say maybe she's a Ravenclaw though. Mm. Cause I think she is kind of smarty smart, I guess. Yeah. Curious, I guess not smart. Yeah. <laughs> Lex is the is other girl. At this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lex is the other <laughs> girl. This book is about, and she is an orphan who has a heightened sense of sound and sight. 
Um, so she, she's a bat. She's a bat. Yes, <laughs> she just she echolocates everywhere. <laughs> she grows up in this terrible situation Which where she is constantly. Doesn't make sense. No, it makes zero sense to me. But you know, dystopian, so they had to make it awful. Um, she grows up in this terrible situation where she is constantly being judged and watched, and she's constantly at risk of being bottomed out, which is their term they use to mean they send her to rock bottom, which I guess is like the core of the earth or something. <laughs> like it's just like underground, as far underground as you can go. But like everything's underground, but not, but some stuff isn't, and I don't know what is. I don't know what's it. what. They never told us what's above ground and what's uh, underground. Is the city above ground. The city is under- on the surface, but is it covered? I don't know. They never said. <laughs> like, the islands are. Yeah. But they're way up in the sky, so that makes sense. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we'll have to look at the fan art. See what no, the I'm fan sure art there's is. a ton. <laughs> uh, she survives the orphanage until she's 12, and she's selected to attend some sort of cadet academy mm-hmm. where she trains for five more years to eventually be chosen as a spec ops member. Um, and I guess, like, the Cadet Academy is this great honor bestowed upon children who show great promise. And so she's the first orphan who has ever gone yeah. to this place. Yeah. And for some reason, she really – and I – well, I guess not for some reason. I guess it kind of makes sense. Like, she wants to belong and she wants to prove her worth. So she really seems to embrace parts of – this academy lifestyle and the military lifestyle, but then also, like, other parts, she seems to actively rebel constantly. Mm-hmm. But then when, like, push comes to shove, like, all the well, all the characters are like, oh, you are such a military, you know, I don't even know what the word. Like, apologist, maybe? Yeah, maybe. And they're like, oh, you're just, you're just so ingrained in their lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, no, she wasn't. She was, like, punching bitches and not obeying anyone right. at all the whole time she was there but and like i did not understand this characterization she like the way she's billed it makes it seem like she has bought into the ideology of this civilization right like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what they're trying to like oh she she's just a she's just following orders she yeah. believes that they're doing the right thing sort of thing but then in one of the later chapters she's like in her narration she says something like oh, yeah, everybody hated the military and didn't want them to be around, and, like, they were all scared of them. And I'm like, didn't you, like, didn't you cotton on that you were part of, like, an evil organization earlier? Like, if you knew that, like... So now I, I can't really, like... Like, it, it, they were building her up very much as, like, She-Ra, in the, except obviously that came more recently, in the recent reboot of She-Ra, where she's, like part of the military that's evil but she doesn't know it's evil and she thinks they're doing good and then when it's revealed that they're not doing good she turns her back on it except like um she kind of always knew they weren't doing good and also she never really liked them she never liked them and also like I'm still very unclear as to like in what way is this dystopia bad I don't really get it exactly that was my thing it's like so there's a group of rebels in this book i'm like what are they rebelling against against? (laughs) who is who is in charge here may i speak to your manager well and then when they give us the answer at the end of the book it's just like oh we're a religious cult i guess (laughs) like that was that 
was what they were rebelling for? And they're, I, like, they're like, you have to be the saviors that we need in order to return Indra to the to the people of Indra. And I'm like, aren't the people of Indra already like in charge though? <laughs> I don't I need to see like a, a I don't I don't necessarily need like a big bad at the top of it, but I need to understand who's on what side and why. Like Yes. Yes. I it it was so nonsensical. Like the world building was just so spotty. They were just like, well, okay, we're riding a YA dystopian. So we've got to have a rebel faction that's rebelling against a big bad evil government, and also there are kids involved. But like, that's all I know. So <laughs> here are the, here are your buzzwords. Go out, make a book. Like, <sighs> so oh, so at academy at the academy, Lex befriends a boy named Kane. Um, who becomes her best friend and, like, the only person she ever cares about, whatever. And then she, like, be enemies a girl named Casina. Yeah, yeah. Who, Casina just doesn't like her because she's an orphan from lower class. Yep. And Lex just punches her in the face and they're enemies ever since then. Cool. It didn't really provide a lot of tension throughout the book because, um, it didn't matter. There's a point There's where like, Casina betrays them. And it's like, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> well, duh. Why were you, you so stupid? You hated her this whole time and she hates you. And that's like her defining character trait is how much she hates your guts. <laughs> like... Yep. Yep. <laughs> but then like when, well, I, I guess I'll talk about it. I guess I'll talk up to that. Um, so Kane, her friend, is selected for his, he, he basically like kind of graduates early um, from the academy. He's selected for a position in this military before graduation and he begins to do his job before they graduate but not before the scene that i most want to talk about in this entire book where they're in their final simulation oh my god (laughs) and yeah go tell us about that casina sends um lex to go fight the enemy by herself and Kane is like, I'll go with, which undermines Casina's authority so that she has to do it or something, whatever, who cares? And they go to fight these enemies who are bottom, rock bottom dwellers, I guess, mutations, who are basically just all fat and ugly is basically their description. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they're so fat, they're much. so stinky. <laughs> they're just gross. Um, and then in what can only be described as a move from a really desperate D&D player... Um, Kane uses Kane and Lex after they're out of, well, not bullets, but charges for their guns, which the guns are so stupid in this man. But anyway, they, (laughs) they pull out Kane's magical paintbrush. Oh my God. Which works on sound. Yes. It paints sound. It paints sound and creates paint in the air. And this is how they all escape. They never said. They just talked about the colors of sounds. They didn't tell us, like, is it just hanging in the air? They definitely say Does it, it creates, also create paper? It's, they, they definitely say at one point it creates pigment. So, okay, which implies not just, like, light to me. It implies, like, it is shooting out, like, either paint or, like, straight up powdery pigment. And they use this as, like, a smoke screen to get away. Oh, my God. It's like Splatoon up in here. It's so stupid. It's It's so so stupid. stupid. And, of course, this is all simulation anyway, so it doesn't matter. But (sighs) the paintbrush (laughs) thing was not part of the simulation. That was an established thing before this. How did he sneak that into the simulation? They're in a simulation. You can't put something in your pocket. (laughs) Who invented that? (laughs) Just the big 
bigger question. <laughs> At what point in this dystopia where they're constantly trying to like come up with new genetic inventions to like improve the genetics of everyone was someone like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a fucking paintbrush that paints sound. Like why? Why did you do that? What was the reason? Uh, just to, just in case we ever have a child that needs to be romanticized, We'll have him paint the sound of his friend's laugh. It leads to the creepiest lines from him. Because at one point he's like, I painted my breath in size. And it's like, okay, stop. And then at one point she says, like, when she sex? first is introduced to this paint brush. Paint butt. <laughs> this paintbrush. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I want to paint your laugh. And then she, like, does it. And he's like, I can't wait to paint your screams. What is yes! that? Yes, oh my God. Pain. What is that? He was a little sociopath. So I'm creepy. pretty sure. I thought he was going to turn out to be like a murderer. Well, I mean, they did choose him to become an assassin. Assassin. Yeah, there I was, was an assassinator. Reason. But yeah, there had to have been a reason. Uh, boy is not all that he seems Mm-mm. to be. So, so Kane is selected for that assignment to become an assassin before he even officially graduates the academy. So, like, what is he doing in the meantime that, like, the assassins are like, hmm, yes, that one. We'll pluck him out. He's, He's painting laughter. screams. He seems to have a penchant for pain. <laughs> but he promises Lex that they'll meet up inside one of his memories, because that's a thing, uh, two weeks after graduation. It's like the memory of his eighth birthday party or something. Well, and I mean, it's a thing in so much as they've told us multiple times that you can't go into other people's memories. It's illegal. Yep. And they've even put like excerpts from legal documents because they occasionally do interstitial things where they'll do like, oh, this is from the book of Indra or this is from a rule book or whatever. Yep. And they've told us that if you do this, you will be found and caught and you will have to remain in memories forever as a shadow, as punishment to everyone else. And like, we've seen multiple examples of this and it's building up. Like this is going to be in any way relevant to anything ever. It's not. Mm -hmm. Nope. I actually forgot all about that until you said, yeah, but how many times did they bring it up? Cause they had the, (laughs) a lot, they had the legal guy. She fights the guy. She fights. They talk about it with Livia, the mm, the girl in the hollow, the girl in the hollow. Yeah, like it comes up all the freaking time. Yeah, like there's always like whenever Livia goes inside an archive thing, there's always like she notices someone like robed in all black watching her out of the corner of her yeah. eye or something. Like cool, 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 mm-hmm. cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Um, Kane does not show up in his own memory, um, and Lex becomes worried. Um, and instead of, I I guess she like kind of wanders around the memory until Casina, her enemy shows up and she's like, Hey, I got some news for you about Kane. You should a hundred percent trust what I'm going to tell you right now. So she gives Lex a memory that she got from somewhere. I don't know. She's like kind of high up in the military so she has access to literally everything by the sounds yep, of it yep. um and even though lex knows that memories can be tampered with like she said right before she even watches this memory that casina hands her she's like memories can be tampered with i shouldn't trust this she watches it and she's like oh my gosh this is a hundred percent what happens i'm gonna trust everything this casina is says. also literally no volume in the memory like she yeah there's she no sound at all. it and 
Lex is like, hey, how come I can't hear anything? And Christine's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, mm, this dumb girl. <laughs> this girl who's hated her for years, since day one, since she met, tried to kill her in a simulation. Like, you're just going to trust her implicitly now? Okay. So she sees this memory and she's like, I have to say, oh, so the memory is like Kane getting uh, beat up by Livia and some security guards. And he's like on the verge of dying. And so she's like, I got to run after and save Kane because that's totally more important than um, being in this military all of a sudden. Like, again, her characterization, very strange. Either she's super into it or she's super against it. (laughs) There's no in-between for her. So. That's basically how I feel about Hot Pockets. <laughs> <Weird. laughs> what? Sometimes you just really want a Hot Pocket. Yeah, but okay. Sometimes you're like, ew, no, gross, Hot Pockets. But then you eat it and you're like, this was a terrible decision? Never, never. If I get to the point where I'm committed to making a Hot Pocket, I'm in 100%. Just as Lex is with her military. But then other times, I'm like, no, I want to abandon this hot pocket and go save my boyfriend. Exactly. It's a perfect metaphor. The hot pocket theory. (laughs) Uh, So the reason that Kane was getting beat up in this memory, because that part is true. The reason that Kane was getting beat up was because he was sent on a mission to assassinate Livia at her emergence ball for a reason that never comes up. Nope. Still unclear. Don't know why. why. Still unclear. Yes. Could have just been Um, because Kane felt like killing her. Yeah, that he wanted to paint her dying gurgles, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. He was going to kill her by kissing her and passing a poison tablet from his mouth into hers. Which I guess then she would have, instead of spit out like, ew, what did you just put in my mouth, you fucking weirdo? She would have eaten it and be like, mmm, thanks for that. Like, It's part of kissing in the future. It's a, it's a dystopian future. Sometimes, sometimes your teeth fall out while you're kissing. <laughs> Radiation just makes the teeth the just like thing to do really is to sensitive. swallow your partner's tooth. <laughs> it's covered in the book of Indra. You shouldn't be embarrassed. It happens to everyone. Then they just take you to the genetics lab and pop a new one. Right. In. It's fine. And you it's fine. and your partner gets to keep a nice little tooth baby in their belly forever. <laughs> and maybe someday it'll grow up into a big tooth man. <laughs> That's how genetics work in the future. Yes. You know what, though? There wasn't anything in the book that said it didn't, so. There you go. Head cannon. Crying. <laughs> so, Livia ruins Kane's plans by kissing him first. Because Kane was he... like, Kane was like, not going to do it at this point. Yeah, supposedly. Kane was like, uh. You are too different and special, so I am not going to kill you. And also, you remind me of someone. <laughs> Who could it be? I don't know. The title <laughs> of the next book is The Time of the Twins. I wonder what's happening in this one. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think they're strangers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They've never met. They've never met. 
So he doesn't want to go through the assassination, but as like they're making out and talking about it, these security guards burst in and beat him to a pulp and take him off to jail. Which I have a lot. I have some questions mm-hmm. about this because one, did the security guards know he was attempting an assassination, or did they just beat the shit out of him because they were kissing? I think it was because he was trespassing. I think was the. So everyone knew he was not a proper young at man at this point. Yes. Okay. But see, how did they find out then to begin with? He had them weak teeth bones. <laughs> uh, if you were part of this Indra nobility, you would have already had gold-plated teeth that were superimposed into your gums so they would never fall out. Yeah, a dead giveaway. A dead giveaway. <laughs> Natural tooth. That's despicable. <laughs> <laughs> you are still on your first enamel. They're cadaver teeth, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um also, because of this assassination attempt, it apparently makes Livia like undesirable as a cohabitating partner. Mm-hmm. See, I thought that mm-hmm. part was because of the kissing. But see, who who saw them kissing? Well, they saw the tooth. There was no kissing. They saw the, <laughs> because at the point they would have walked in is they had already broken apart because she's like, you were trying to poison me? And he was like, no, let me explain. And then the security guards like burst in and were like, we're, punch, punch, punch. We're meant to take this because everything that happens with Livia's slice of the sky is like very reminiscent of like Victorian times in terms of etiquette mm. and stuff. So she's like alone with a Yeah, boy, maybe so that's what it she is. Was ruined. Not clear, not super clear. Her governess like yeah. full on goes into like a fainting spell and like is yeah. essentially like reduced to being a slathering like a slavering idiot for the rest of the She book. has to go to an asylum. Yeah, because of this incident, which okay, like Yeah. Which, oh, so they, like... what happens when you care too much about your work, my friend. (laughs) And throughout this whole book, they're kind of, like, hinting at something, like, all of the people that are preparing Livia for her emergence ball, which includes Mm -hmm. her governess, who's been with her since she was a baby, her sword master, her the etiquette tutor, and then, like, these two family friends. Yeah, life guide. And then the two family friends, Waslo and Marius, are all, like, really dependent on her having a successful emergence ball and cohabitating with the right proper young man but and there's all this tension there for that but then there was like no outcome yeah and assumably there won't be because at the end of this book it's like they're off there's no more connection to this world so like so um i don't understand why everyone was all uppity about this there's a lot of scenes where marius is like you have to promise me livia that you will make a good match i assumed (laughs) that marius was evil and had something Mm -hmm. to do with like the overall control of the city because there's a few lines that are like oh you know i i made a good match with waslo and now he has so much power and i have so much power and blah 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 because i guided him so like i thought maybe they were gonna end up being like the criminal or not criminal but like the puppet masters but there's nothing to puppets so i don't really know yeah, it was like such a 
let down because I was expecting there to be like some big evil reveal yeah. and it was, it just was like, not. tapered off. They're like, well, we're done with this now. Goodbye, friends. Yeah. Goodbye, Unless horse. At like, the end of this book, they're like, mm, never mind. We're not going to the surface. We're going to turn around and go back to the I island. I definitely looked at like the general synopsis of book two okay. and I don't think Marius and Boslo are involved at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> in, any, in any way, shape, or form. That's so dumb. There's so many loose ends. Whatever. But there okay. might be book three because apparently book two ends on a cliffhanger. So oh God. maybe one day. Hopefully it goes back. Yeah. Book three, back to the island. Return to. We have to go return back. Return to Indra, colon, the third story of Lex and Livia, colon. The Electra. story of Marius and Laszlo. <laughs> the story of Marius and Laszlo, <laughs> colon, this one's a prequel. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to clear up any, like. Colon, uh, we know confusion. you were confused. Yeah. <laughs> So the day after all of that happens with Kate and Livia, Lex like bursts into the island and is like, let's fight. And so Livia and Lex fight until almost death. Mm. And I would like to point out that this is where this is 200 pages in the book. They finally meet. Yay. These characters I've come to know and love. <laughs> I cherish dry time with both Lex and Livia on their own. I cared so much about how they grew and developed. In many different ways, and not at all in a repetitive way. That was basically the same for both of them. Yep. And you know what? It was so bad that, like, I'd be reading along, and I'd be like, I don't know which character I'm reading from the perspective of, because they sounded exactly the same. They both had names that started with L. No, I will say, Livia used fewer contractions. Oh, (laughs) she talked properly. (laughs) So Lex fights with a gun and Livia fights with a sword. Um, Wonder who will win this one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was the girl with the sword because she also (laughs) secretly knew jujitsu, which what? Also, I know this is later, but at one point, um, Livia chops someone's gun in half with her sword. What are these guns? (laughs) Are they Play-Doh? They were all 3D printed. They, like, run out of charges after, like, five shots, and they can be chopped in half with a sword. Like A sword that sings, That's true. That's true. It was the power of song. (laughs) Zinger. Uh, Which, incidentally, how much better would it be if what Zinger did, because the name is Zinger, was, Uh like, make fun of the opponents? (laughs) Zinger. Zinger. Gotcha. That'd be so much better. An idea for the third book, ladies. Yes. Feel free to take it. You can credit us amongst the other 18 ghostwriters you'll have at that point. (laughs) Uh, So Lex and Livia are having this like Dragon Ball Z style fight all over the island. And then the police show up to arrest Lex for deserting her post. But also, like, they're kind of there to also arrest Livia, I guess. Probably for fighting, but I don't know. Like, she's kind of defending herself, so. The girls decide that they need to go find Kane instead of kill each other. So they go on the lamb together. Yes. <laughs> because I guess at some point, Livia, or Lex is like, I'm looking for Kane. Where is he? And Livia's like, mm, in jail. They're like, all right, let's go find is him. Is this the point where they look into each other into each other's eyes, though? Because I think that might also be 
Like, that happens during this fight, right? Yes, I think so. You'll know her when you see her. Yeah, they, like, look into each other's eyes, and they both have this, like, little birthmark in their eye, I think, yes. is essentially... Yeah. Well, it's... No, it was, like, something that was lasered Yeah, but I mean, from, like, yeah. they didn't know it was lasered. At the time, oh, yeah, they would have yeah. assumed it was a birthmark situation. And they do say, yeah. they're like, oh, we... Well, anyway, that doesn't matter. I'm not going to... I'll cut that. Yeah. Um, well, they say this thing, like, they both... Okay, so Lex says, um, you'll know her when you see her. And Livia, like, says it with her or, like, completes her sentence or yeah. something. And Lex is like, how did you know I was thinking that? And she's like, I could just read it off of you. So I guess Livia is also, like, a mind reader. Well, and then they both bit. also say, also, it was something a man said to me. And they're both yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that statement that I remember a man saying that to me. And spoiler they were one minute old when a man Yes, I was just going to say that. How did you remember that? It was like, a really good memory, y'all. <laughs> I don't think babies even have memory bits in their brain yet at that point. Like, I don't know. I don't Michael, write in and tell us. I don't us. think they can do that. Like, I don't think it's physically possible. <laughs> well, you know, in this dystopian future all babies are born with adult brains (laughs) or maybe that's what makes them so special is that they are they were babies with adult brains Mm, and now it's kind of like that like child prodigy thing where it's like wow they're Uh so special but now they're just adults that with adult brains and it's not really that special anymore (laughs) it's like how you were a gifted student Mm -hmm, in high school and then mm -hmm. you get to college and you're like oh no one cares (laughs) absolutely nobody cares it don't matter does not matter (laughs) Uh, so <laughs> the two girls jump off of the island that Livia lives on, the island which, in the sure. sky, and they land on a rigging station, which I didn't understand what nope. this was because it was the first time they mentioned it in the book, and I didn't want to try too hard to comprehend They mentioned what it, it when Kane, when they describe, when, I know her name's not Cassiopeia, what's, uh, Cassina. Cassina. When Cassina, like, um was explaining the whole thing to Lex. She was like, oh, yeah, my dad is that guy, which I'm still not clear if that was a lie or the truth, if she's supposed to be Waslow's daughter or not. Not clear. Yeah. Um, But she's like, oh, yeah, he was working out on a rigging station, like, as his cover, like, so he could spy on her. That was part of mm-hmm. his whole assignment thing. But they don't explain what it they, is at they all. They say that it's, like, a service station sort of thing. So, like, all the people who do service so just pumping some gas into this island yeah, well, so, it so like in the air. So like all the gardeners and stuff live there i think but it's also dangerous which it's like okay but like it took you guys approximately like 10 seconds to get from the surface of indra to magic cloud city so like why don't you just live down there where it's apparently not dangerous exactly why are you doing this to yourself oh. we're sky pirates because that's the other thing they're like oh they work very hard to keep the city running but also they hate all like they hate it they hate it they hate the government they hate the military they're essentially like um uh sovereign citizens if sovereign (laughs) citizens were also like working at the post office (laughs) like it's the vibe (laughs) y'all get you a stamp fuck you (laughs) okay Cool. 
Uh, and they are, like, so vehement in their hate that, like, so these two girls jump, fall from the sky and land on their rigging station in front of this guy. And they're, and he's just like, huh, you're on the run from the police? Let's fuck them up! <laughs> but not before first talking about how beautiful they are and also how there are yeah. no women on the rigging station, which the gender politics of this book were super fucking weird. Yes, I was getting some weirdo vibes when he said that, but no, he was just, like, hungry to kill some yeah, police officers. that was his primary goal. Yeah, maybe if they had lived through this encounter, then it would have gotten a little bit dicey for the mm-hmm. girls, but, like, mm. they literally, like, they mobilized the whole rigging station and then just fight the police for these <laughs> girls. And some of them even die to, like, so the girls can get away. And the girls... Which, Girls are. You don't even know these girls. The girls are literally like, huh, it's weird that those guys were willing to do that. Guess they really hate the police. I, yes! And it's like, okay, yeah, I guess so. You've given us no more information, so I guess we'll have to accept that too. No, there were so many times in the book where the characters were like, I don't know anything about this, so I guess the reader won't either. (laughs) Good, good, good. Thank you. Like, I understand that there are times when an author has to keep information from the readers in this manner so that we can, like, go on the journey with the character, but you can't do that the whole book. Just, like, it is equally bad. Like, okay, it is annoying when an author, like, their explanation for a thing is, like, shrug, I don't know. It's probably a lot worse when they put that in the book for the characters to say and do. The characters are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because they just hate the police, maybe. There's probably some deep, dark backstory here, but I don't have time to care or get into it. Yeah, that's that's for the sixth book. Rebels, colon, riggers of Indra, colon, we're on this rigging station fucking up the police. <laughs> colon, also gardening. Also gardening. They, I mean, these girls could have been, like, serial killers for all they knew. Like The police could they, have had a valid reason. Exactly. Instead, they're just like, get off our rigging station. Look, when you have a fuck the police attitude, you gotta live by that attitude. You can't, like... <laughs> Be like, fuck the police, unless they have the appropriate warrants. Mm. That's not... <laughs> oh. They didn't do their paperwork. They didn't. That was really what it was. <laughs> so Lex and Livia managed to dodge the police by stealing some sort of flying vehicle from the riggers while the riggers are busy dying to the police. <laughs> and they pilot it to the place where Kane is being held and break him out. And in the midst of breaking him out of jail, they run into some rebels, again, not given any clear indicator of what they're rebelling against, what their plan is, other than they just, they're just angry people. I don't know. Somehow they knew that these two girls were here at the jail to get Kane. Were those Um, rebels at first or were those more guards? Because I thought they were more guards. Well, it was guards and then... Eventually the one guard... That is one revealed rebel. to be a rebel, but that's after they yes. go through and get Kane, isn't it? Well, I just assumed that, like, everyone was there because she was like, oh, I've got him, and then they, like, came in and took them away. Yeah, like, I thought they were in the background, um, but I thought all the ones that they interacted with at first until they got Kane were guards. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was very dumb. Uh, the, they, the rebels, like, lead the three young adults away from the police and the jail 
But before before they can take them to their secret hideout, they have to basically perform a, like, sound lobotomy on mm-hmm. Lex's mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. Because they have to take out this chip in her brain that monitors her location and inhibits her emotions and memories and things. Because Le- they all have that, I guess. And um, she gave a reading of, like, 63, which is bad. And I don't know what 63 of what but it was 63 and Livia gave one of 20 which is below 30 so that means she's okay and doesn't have to do it and also the guy who does the operation has only ever done it once before which would imply that a lot of people are in that under 30 range except he says that she's the only one who's in the under 30 range so if everybody has these chips and they have to take them out before they go to their uh secret base but also like he's only done this once before like how does that work how does how does i don't understand (laughs) any of it it was so dumb it it was (laughs) and then after the surgery so like they stick this giant needle into this girl's ear until it pokes her brain and she feels intense pain because there's there's something yeah there's some serious brain pokage happening Mm -hmm. And then they like. Actually, I don't know. Does your brain have pain receptors? Like I know other things do, and they go to the brain in a process called science. But if someone touched your brain, (laughs) like if someone just like opened your your skull, this isn't about the book. This is just I'm curious. If someone opened your skull and touched your brain. Or really any of your organs. Would you feel it? Like if they were lightly stroking it, would you feel it? Would you know? Okay. Google says there are no pain receptors in the brain itself. Mm. But the uh, meninges, 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 the coverings around the brain and the coverings on the bones of the scalp all have pain receptors. So maybe that was, well, no, because you go through the ear canal. There's no scalp there. What I'm gathering from this is if someone cuts my skull open after I have dealt with the horrible pain of having my skull cut open, they can stroke my brain as much as they want and I will be fine. Well, I don't know if you'll be fine, but you won't feel pain. <laughs> Just getting that good, good brain getting massage. Good, good brain stroke. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be pleasing to me either because I wouldn't feel anything. But maybe they would like <laughs> Maybe, yeah, that's like that, you know, like, some people have stress falls, yeah. other people have brain squeezes. <laughs> Same texture, probably. I don't think I don't squeezing. Know. I think squeezing would be problematic. Brain stroke. But I think as long okay. as it's a light stroke, you're good. Maybe, yeah, like the textures yeah. on the brain because of all the folds. Yeah, it'd probably be nice. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. And, well, kind of slimy, maybe. Probably. Mm. A little bit like write us in, let <laughs> or write write in. Let us know. What do brains feel uh, like? What do brains feel like? <laughs> I feel like we could figure this out by like, like they sell animal brains as like meat, so we could. I'm not buying. We one. could figure this out, but I don't want to. <laughs> Anyone out there in MD can tell us what does brain what, feel? What do brain feel like? <laughs> Touch the brain. <laughs> they put this needle all the way inside her brain and then blast sounds at it until the chip just like i don't know doesn't work anymore it it drops below 30 
It goes below 30, which is good. Or possibly her brain goes below 30. I'm not clear. Again, the <laughs> measurements were given, given to me, but with no context for what they meant. <laughs> Absolutely not. And just like, they were just like, oh, Livia, you're special, so we don't have to hurt you, but we're going to hurt Lex, the angry one. <laughs> Which is like, did the author, she based these characters yeah, off Yeah, one of, of them the... was giving her too many rewrites. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, also we should mention at this point that they know they're twins, right? Oh, yeah. They also know that they're twins. Because one, the, one of the rebels is like, was friends with their mom. And he's yeah. like, y'all are twins. And they're like, cool. I knew that because I saw the title of the second book. <laughs> um. So she, um, Lex is able to function at 100% capacity about like 10 minutes after the surgery. Mm-hmm. But it was. <laughs> and so they proceed to the secret hideout where there are some action scenes that aren't very exciting. Mm-hmm. Some people die. Uh, Lex runs into someone from Spec Ops and they like, we're going to kill her. And she's like, no, I'll lead you to their secret hideout if you let me go. And he's like, okay, but if you betray me, I'll kill you. And so then she betrays him, but he doesn't kill her. But she also doesn't tell them that he's following them to the secret hideout. And so he finds out where their secret hideout is. She also meets up with her childhood friend who was so unimportant that we didn't even mention up to this point, but she had this really beloved childhood friend. Um, and they reunite, and then the childhood friend dies. But it's okay, because the childhood friend had a hot brother. <laughs> Definitely not becoming a love interest Mm-mm, in the next book. Not at all. Mm-hmm. They hate each they other. They hate each other so, so much. Hate each so other much. so right. A hundred percent hate. Uh, uh, and so they get to the, the, the hideout, and the leader of this rebel group, Roscoe, reveals the truth about them, that they are twins, and the Dad did some genetics mm-hmm. to make their mom pregnant because they were having difficulty conceiving. And the genetics made the girls have some sort of powers. And then the dad either died or didn't die. And the mom And the mom away. either died or didn't either die. died or didn't. Also, can I just real quick... Okay, I know I'm asking a lot of questions and taking us on a lot of tangents, but... No, you're good. The whole genetics thing. Okay, so, like, the dad was a geneticist. Which, first off, was really, really funny when at the beginning, uh, Livia was like, I have an aptitude for genetics. And it's like, okay, well, that's not how anything works, but all right. Um, <laughs> I inherited it. Her, their father was a geneticist, and he invented this pill called the, like, X2. Mm-hmm. And it's birth control, essentially, is what it does, you see. And... Like, we know this from early on because Livia says, like, she has to take X2 every day. And if she wants to have a child, she she will stop taking X2 and then presumably have a child. But then suddenly at the last second in this part, they, like, kind of retcon that. And they're like, no, what X2 is really for is for preventing twins. But then, like, you still have to stop taking it in order to conceive. So, like, wouldn't there still be a risk of having a twin at that point? Like... I don't yeah. understand why. And then also they're like, oh. Clearly they didn't either. There's like a rule up above that's like, oh, you can only have one kid per cohabitated couple. And then they go down to rock bottom and everyone's like, nah, we fuck all the time. And everybody has a million kids. Um, and like none of them, none of them shits as twins. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, they're not taking the magic anti-twin pills, so, like, why haven't they had twins? Because that's, like, at the end of this book, they're like, we have long awaited the magic twins who will save us. They've been prophesied. And it's like, well, this is taking a turn, number one. Yeah. not (laughs) sci-fi. Out of nowhere. But also, like, really? No twins? (laughs) Anywhere? Well... And then, well, and then the funny thing to me was that they like, turned to each other and they're like, I wonder what will happen now that we're not taking the X2 anymore. I'm like, Rebels, colon, City of Indra 2, colon, we're entering womanhood by having our first periods. <laughs> See, I was just thinking, Rebels, colon, City of Indra, colon, um, oops, <laughs> Kane didn't pull out, colon, now there's more Twins! of them. <laughs> pulling out is not an effective method of birth control just to any young listeners we may have also please stop listening to this podcast please (laughs) who let you on here onto this internet get out (laughs) telling your mother Kaden Kaden I'm gonna tell your mom Kaden you need to turn this off (laughs) then I'm gonna yell at her for giving you a stupid name god damn it Kaden uh so, yeah, so like I said, there's a prophecy that says that two 17-year-olds will come and lead people to some sort of promised land, which is basically just a different part of the Earth's surface, mm-hmm. and that they have been waiting for these two girls to lead them all to this mm-hmm. land, but then the book ends with just four of them mm-hmm. leaving. Yeah. Yep. Are they supposed to come back? No. Or is that it? I don't think so. <laughs> just the four of them. <laughs> just the four of them. Which is Kane, Livia, Lex, and then the the angry yeah. guy. That's probably going to be a love interest, right? Angry girl. I almost guarantee that he is a love interest. Yes. And that's how the book ends, y'all. Real good. Real good. Really enjoyed real Oh, also, read. like, they have to hurry up and leave because that guy that Lex led to the secret hideout is there destroying it. Mm. Now, so, assumably, like, there will be no one left I know for them to lead you out. are desperate to read the sequel but i do just want you to know in broad strokes apparently um they go to the part of the world that's not garbo uh-huh, and their uh-huh. mom is there Great. and then also their dad is there but their dad might be evil and he's trying to destroy a dam but then they don't do that <laughs> wait there are still dams i guess or they've built it again or oh. like why would they need oh. to okay you're asking me questions that can only be answered by City of Indra, colon, outside the city, colon, girls on the loose. <laughs> no, women. Sorry, They're sorry, having their sorry. periods now, Em. They're women on the loose. Loose women. No. <laughs> oh. Oh, so join us next fortnight when we will be reading that book. <laughs> oh, man. So is your silver lining. My silver lining. Okay, I actually had a legit oh, silver did you? lining. Because I definitely did. <laughs> I actually was interested in some uh, aspects of Lex's storyline, mm-hmm. and you kind of like hinted at it earlier, where you were like, "Oh, you know, we thought there was going to be this like, you like the military until you find out the military did something yeah. bad, like that kind of aspect of it." I would have really liked to hear more about Lex's time at the Cadet Academy and like her spec ops training and being a spec op. But then, like, scale it up to be an adult mm. book. Because I thought there were parts of it that were very interesting. But they weren't done any justice. So that was my silver lining, I guess. Yeah. 
I was imagining another book being written. My silver lining some of these elements. Um, is that there were like a lot of parts of Livia's story that were like really interesting. And if they had like scaled it up to like an adult. <laughs> <laughs> also true, though. I mean, yeah, like for real. Like We need to know about that governess, man. Right. There were so many unanswered questions. Um, but yes. I guess we'll have to. That were much more interesting than the ones that weren't. Yeah, that need not be answered. And um, yeah, so I guess there were. There were moments of an interesting story somewhere in here. Also, I did really enjoy the singing sword, just picturing that. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I don't know what it means, but I was I was a fan. Zinger. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, what character did you relate to then? Um, um... Um, I could pretty much just say any like job title and pretend like that was a character in the book. So like pretty much etiquette tutor. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) mouse wrangler. (laughs) (laughs) Cabbage patch curator. Shrubbery expert. (laughs) Dentist. Yep. For all those teeth. (laughs) Those kids' teeth. (laughs) Uh, um probably like probably the the mean girl in Livia's storyline not the mean Uh, girl in Lex's storyline oh what was her name started with an M yeah Micah um I don't know like she seemed well she's she's kind of weak sauce as far as like manipulative mean girls go and again I don't really relate to that I just find it funny to read (laughs) yeah that's like my internal monologue of yes. the book, I guess. Which is, I kind of like Xavier for that reason, because he was just like, Lex, you're full of shit. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> I kind of like um, Cassava. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that one. Because she one. was like, I mean, like, aside from the fact that she basically hated people who were poor um i mean she seemed good at her job and she seemed way more competent than most of them so yes yeah like she got a really good job placement yeah which might have been nepotism but oh well oh well who knows that that wasn't a book that was uh rebels conformers colon city of indra colon the bureaucracy rebels colon city of indra colon climbing that corporate ladder (laughs) colon lean in (laughs) i like that book too dang jenner sisters let us know (laughs) we got a lot of ideas for this franchise we would happily we would happily step in as the ghostwriters of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and probably seventh yeah. books at the rate we're going. Really? <laughs> really? It's, I think it's just a whole universe, yeah. and we just keep writing books in the same universe, different mm-hmm. people each mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of other books. I... Oh, oh wait, yes. Who did you relate to? Did we say? Um, well, I kind of... I kind of related to Xavier, but then, like, I also... There was, like, one line in this book mm-hmm. that made me relate to Livia, but I want that to be, like, the okay. quote at the so end. Just so just know the quote at the end, guys, is Anna's... Why uh, I related to Livia. Who she relates to. <laughs> so, yes, rather be reading. 
Um, I haven't read it yet, okay. but it kind of reminds me vaguely of what I know about the Red Rising series by Pierce Brown. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, where it's like a group of people that are, are they like underground or on a different planet or something? And then like, they were like working really hard and toiling away and they like don't realize it, but there's a whole world above them that is much more mm. privileged than they are because they thought everything was like the same as the situation they were in. And then there's, mm. like, an uprising or something. I don't know, dude. I don't know anything about the series. Just that that vaguely reminded me of this. <laughs> also, like, stop reading dystopian YA. Can we just... The genre is tired. Just read some good YA. Fantasy. Contemporary. I, I'm i not willing to disbar all dystopian YA yet because, you know, I think that we... have too we... much hope for this genre. <laughs> Listen, most of it's bad. But <laughs> some of it's good. And... Some of which it one? Which is... one was good? What you rather be reading? Okay, well, my rather be reading. I think it's technically dystopia YA, actually. Fuck you. <laughs> um, is I actually had a few, but the so I'm gonna real quick shout out uh, the Cinder series by Mersmer, yes. um, and the Young Elites by Marie Lu. Mm-hmm. But the one that this most kind of reminded me of was Ignite Me by Tahara Mafi. Um which like oh, Shatter Me mixed or yeah yeah sorry Shatter yeah, Me is yeah, the yeah. first one. Um the Shatter I did Me like series. That series when I first read yeah, it. Yeah. It's a fun series and I think it has a lot of the stuff that this book was going for um in terms of like girl who is super special but her specialness makes her a target sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and you don't know who to trust and all that sort of stuff. Like, I think it, it, there's some resonance. And also, yeah. I'm pretty sure one of the covers is this exact cover. Like, it's like an eye. Yes, it out. is. They all are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if you were really interested in reading a book with an eye mm-hmm. as the cover, you could read Shatter Me instead yeah. of this. The world building is a little better, um, but the politicking is a lot better. In that one, mm, I believe. Mm. Um, also has angry boys. Yeah, you know. <laughs> True into the <laughs> my favorite angry boys. Angry boys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Cool. So I think that wraps us up for this book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which means it's your turn, Anna. Yay! Yay! Wow, we did not talk nearly. I thought with all those digressions, we were at like an hour and a half for sure but we are making great time oh good i will read i will okay so then let me present you with a choice because i have two books here i wasn't sure which one choice i wanted to go with would you rather read something by a male author or a female author okay here's the thing if the question is which would i rather read probably the female which would you rather hate read (laughs) if the question is which would i rather dunk on than the dude (laughs) all right then uh, sorry, Patricia Cornwell. We'll get to you another time. <laughs> <laughs> then my pick to you, and I just want to note, Goodreads does say this book is 416 pages long, but it also well, says no, that it has an no. excerpt from another no. book in it. So I'm That's sure unacceptable. it's unacceptable. Like, so I'm sure it's like 400 have, pages. No, There's just we like we have never, we have never read a book over 400 pages. That is a hard and fast rule that we stick to yes. every time on this podcast. You know what? Okay, then let's read Angels and Demons. Fuck you. 
<laughs> the book I am presenting to you is The Amber Room by Steve Barry. Both of those sound like things I have read, but slightly not. Like, <laughs> oh. I've definitely read an author whose last name is Barry before. Dave I don't Barry? think it was Steve. I, might have been Dave. Might have been Dave. <laughs> Mary Barry, Dave Barry. Um, <laughs> Let me tell and you. I definitely have read stuff with. Go, just go ahead. I'm, yeah. I'm making myself sound very stupid. So <laughs> Stephen King. Is. Yep. Also possibility. Uh, okay, so here's the book. The Amber Room is one of the greatest treasures ever made by man. An entire room forged by exquisite amber, from its four massive walls to its finely crafted furniture. But it is also the subject of one of history's most intriguing mysteries, originally commissioned in 1701 by Frederick I of Prussia. Wow. Okay, so this book is, this summary, I'm already bored with it. The room was later perfected by Sarko Salo, the Russian imperial city. Hold on, hold on. Is this a novel or is this a book about a room? With no, is this like a nonfiction book? Yes, it's a 400 page nonfiction book in which it just <laughs> describes a room made of amber. In 1941, German troops invaded the Soviet Union, looting everything in their wake and seizing the Amber Room. When the Allies began the bombing of Germany in August 1944, the room was hidden. And despite the best efforts of treasure hunters and art collectors from around the world, it was never, it has never been seen again. Now, two powerful men have set their best operatives loose in pursuit, and the hunt has begun once more. Life is good for Atlanta judge Rachel Cutler. She loves her job, loves her kids, and remains civil to her ex-husband, Paul. But everything <laughs> changes when her father, a man who survived the, the horrors attacks. of World War II, dies under strange circumstances and leaves behind clues to a secret he kept his entire life. A secret about something called the Amber Room. Desperate to know the truth about her father's suspicious dealings, Rachel takes off for Germany with Paul close behind. I'm assuming Paul is the ex-husband because, yes, ex-husband Paul. Uh, shortly after arriving, they find themselves involved with a cast of shadowy characters who all claim to share their quest. But as they learn more about the history of the treasure they seek, Rachel and Paul realize they're in way over their heads. Locked in a treacherous game with ruthless professional killers and embroiled in a treasure hunt of epic proportions, Rachel and Paul suddenly find themselves on a collision course with the forces of power, evil, and history itself. So this sounds like, um... National da Vinci Treasure. Code, National Treasure, any of those. Yeah. But like with divorced people arguing. Yeah. So that's a really fun twist on the genre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Written in the early two thousands. Man writing a female lead. Mm-hmm. Should be good. Cool. Yeah, looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. So swing and by next fortnight if you want to check out the Amber Room. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, you can tweet at us at HateReadCast if you know what a brain feels like. <laughs> <laughs> or if you have any suggestions that you would like uh, for us to read on the show. Submissions. Submissions. Uh, you can tweet that or you can email us at uh, HateReadCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in the show notes below. And we are also available on all of your favorite podcast aggregating things. So if you haven't already, you should follow us on one of those. And if it happens to be iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review because that helps other people find us 
and send us their submissions to torture us into reading these books that we wouldn't otherwise read. And remember that you can also tell people with your flesh holes. Yes, but don't lose any teeth. Yeah, keep those teeth in check. Keep them tight. (laughs) In fact, just like hold your hands, like push your teeth into your gums as you talk. Like this, so that you don't Mm -hmm. lose any of your teeth. This is good audio. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you got that quote? Yes, in the words of four different authors. (laughs) Somebody. I am Livia, I want to tell them, and I am strange and confused and prefer my horse to any person. (laughs) (laughs) Just replace horse with dog. Okay. (laughs) That's me. Rebels, semicolon, City of Indra, semicolon, the story of Lex and Livia. Is it Livia. semicolons or regular colons? Didn't we have this conversation last time? They're regular last colons. Time? They're regular colons. You're right. <laughs> Let me take another run at that. See, we had this conversation we last did. time and that put that in my head that it was supposed to be the other way around. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, All right. 